Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Rock in America, featuring my 11-year-old daughter, your star co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And we are here to quote-unquote rock America with lots of trivia, geography, culture, a correspondence visit, so much fun, and all the mini previews from all over the world that you can handle from high-stakes matches, the best tournament matches and races anywhere and we will go to any corner of the world to find those matches that enables us to cover matches some of them that you won't find necessarily on any other major world podcast so let's enjoy this particular week we are going to be covering matches from october the 6th that's friday through the 12th that's thursday those are the dates that our weeks always run again we're going to have uh we're going to have a recipe a little bit later on lots of fun with person noob chiming in and brassos bob checking in later on for our feature major league soccer match can the retired rodeo star Keep his clothes on while playing the bongo drums for once. Only time will tell, and you've only got to wait until match number three to find out. Yeah, it's going to be weird, and that's okay. Let's just dive right in with... Match number one! We start our global trek right here at home in the United States. The NWSL is the top flight for the gals. There's only two matches left in the regular season. Things are getting very high stakes. This is going to be a Friday match. Uh, The top six out of the 12 regular season finishers will go to the domestic playoffs. The top two will get to jump straight to the semifinals as their reward. Normally, we like to stick to top two or top two of the top three kind of matchups. But this time of year for a league, we like to look at who's on the edge of the playoffs. That's where the real stakes are for the moment. So your key matchup, number six, Olympic Leon Reign out of Seattle. They have French ownership. Versus number five, Washington, that's Washington, D.C., Spirit. Uh, Washington lead O.L. Reign by one little point in the table. And meanwhile, O.L. Reign, they lead number seven, Orlando Pride, just on the other side of the playoff line, by three on goal differential. That means they're tied on points in the table. So somebody in this game of musical chairs is going to get left out. Although the whole league is so tight with two matches to go, there's any number of possibilities. I'm not 100% sure anybody but the last place team has been mathematically eliminated yet. The series between these two has been fairly even. Uh, the OL Reign side have had the slight advantage with a 9, 8, and 7 record accrued. But when they played earlier this season out in D.C., it was the Spirit winning 1-0. You can catch this edition of the rivalry 8 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. on CBS. Yeah, again, the national coverage from the parent network. Love it. All right, talk a little bit about O.L. Reign again out of Seattle. They will be playing this at their home site of Lumen Field, which, yes, that is the same one that is the home of the Seattle Seahawks. 
They finished in second place in 2014 and 15 both. And those are their best finishes. They have yet to win uh, NWSL title. Last year, they were number one at the end of the regular season, but they fell in the playoff semifinals. And unlike some other leagues, that is considered exclusively the true championship here. They've been pretty well balanced. Uh, they're a little bit better on offense, getting almost one and one-thirds goals per match. Their defense is very much more average. They are tied for number four in goal differential. I believe that this is a team that will stay up above the playoff line. Tied for second best in assists in the league with five is uh, Megan Rapino, who just retired from, retired from international play. She plays left winger for this squad, and she's been doing so since 2013. It's one of the things I like about the women's uh, side of things here in the U.S. is you do tend to, for whatever reason, see players stick with the same team for a fair bit longer on average than oftentimes happens in a lot of men's leagues. Uh, earlier in her career, oddly enough, or ironically enough, she played for the now defunct Washington Freedom of the former Division I League, WUSA. One other key player to look for, number one in accurate long balls. Those are always fun to watch as an offensive strategy. And she's number one by a lot. The only player in the league getting six of those or more per 90 minutes. And that is a lot of cooks. She plays center back for them. But their MVP has probably been their right back, Sofia Huerta. She's got a goal and two assists. She's a really great grippler. Good tackler, just kind of a mediocre passer, but I guess that's why they don't have her centrally located. Teams current form, they've been slipping a little bit, 0-2-1 in their last three with just a one versus four goal differential. They've got to generate a little bit more of that offense. Washington Spirit coming to town looking to pounce on that. They've won one league title. That was in 2021. And in fact, it's one of the only two professional games I've ever been to was the year they won that because it was in Louisville and I lived just maybe a couple hours from there. Last year, they finished in 11th place. So good to see them uh, tracking like they're going to be back in the playoffs. Personally, I don't think they're going to make it, but I wouldn't bet against them. They've got a pretty good offense, uh, like their opponents. They're tied for number four, but they're giving up over a goal and a third per match. That's bottom three in the league in a not very high scoring league. Number eight overall goal differential. Key players to look for, third best in scoring in the league with nine on the year is their center forward, Ashley Hatch. Uh, this is another player who is really good at long balls. She is second best in the league for doing so uh, accurately. That is Samantha Staub with two A's, so I might be mispronouncing that. She plays center back for them. But their MVP has probably been the very young and yet budding superstar, Trinity Rodman, plays right winger for them. Five goals, two assists, very good tackler where she really needs to get better is her passing. That is stalling some of the uh, attacks, either trying to get them started or once they get going, she can be very careless with the ball. Team's current form, uh, their 2-1 win versus last place Kansas City in their last match snapped a four-match winless streak. So don't be totally surprised we end up seeing both these teams fall out of the playoffs, although with just two teams, two matches to go, maybe just one of them. My prediction is that uh, number nine, Angel City, will pass one of these two and get in based on goal differential. Match number B. Person noob, did the listeners hear that right? Did you say number B? Yes, I why, did. Why four? Because we don't want to say poop. Oh, that's right. Saying poop or turd or anything like that would be uncouth, and we're never uncouth, are we? No. 
So join us in our polite revolution and replace that phrase number two, yuck, in your life with number B. Listen to it in action. In fact, right now, we have a second Friday match this week, shiny enough to get our attention. We're going to log some frequent flyer miles. Head over to Asian for the 2022, yeah, we're heading into the Wayback Machine, Asian Games, the women's side of things, for the final. Now, uh, you could probably guess, but I'll let you know that it was supposed to be the 2022 edition, but it got delayed because of COVID-19. So they're having it now. There you go. And all the games are being hosted in China. This is a quadrennial tournament. It is not the Asian Women Championships, the equivalent of, say, the Euros or over here in our region of the world, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. This is an alternate tournament and is not a FIFA sponsor, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's just another big national team tournament that they play once every four years. It's not a qualifier for anything else. And we will not be talking about the men's tournament because on this show, we've just sort of made the arbitrary decision when we started uh, years ago to not cover youth ball. And on the men's side, for some reason, they don't let, let have the senior teams take part. It is the under 23 teams that played at least this year. Not so for the women's side. It's been an interesting tournament. 16 teams qualified for the final phase, the playoffs. Rather than breaking them into groups of four, they broke them into five groups of three to five teams each, out of which the winners got to advance even further, and the number number B teams advanced on as well, three of those anyway. This all said, your matchup for the Big Shiny Trophy is number one seeded Japan versus not seeded at all, North Korea. And that's not to say that they're a poor team. We'll get, well, here, I'll just tell you now, North Korea is not ranked by FIFA because they haven't been active in, I believe, at least 18 months. It used to be, I think you had to be inactive for four years, but they haven't played any FIFA-sponsored events in long enough, whatever the time frame is, that they have been dropped from the rankings. It's not a punishment. They just don't have any data to go on. Now, uh, based on past events for... uh, This event, they seeded North Korea number five, so they're pretty good, and obviously they've been excellent in this event. Japan were technically seeded second uh, best, or uh, they were the number B seed, if you will, because China as the hosts were automatically the quote-unquote number one seed. Series between these two has actually been largely to the advantage of North Korea. Historically, they've accrued a 12-5-7 Record, which is weird to think about because Japan is, whenever you think of anything outside of the US or uh, Europe uh, when it comes to women's football, you think Asia, you think Japan, and pretty much nothing else typically. They're ranked number eight in FIFA right now. They've won one World Cup title, that was back in 2011. Twice they've won the Asian Championships called the Asian Cup, and that was 2014 18. They didn't quite get there this past year. Uh, They've won two of these events titles and are the defending champions for the Asian Games. They had a perfect group stage, and my goodness, they went, they had a 23 versus nil goal differential, just cartoonish. They advanced over hosts China in a real shootout, three to four in the semifinal. Key players to look for tied for number three in in not league but event scoring with six is Remina Chiba. She is a forward who plays uh, for local top flight club JEF United, 
And then uh, also tied with her is Haruka Asawa. She plays for the same club and is a fellow forward. So you can see their offense really starts from up close. Team's current form, their only loss in the last seven matches they've played across all competitions was in the World Cup quarterfinals when they lost to Sweden on the road 1-2. to two. And now North Korea, a little bit more of a mystery or so I would have thought we found some information on them. They are known as the Eastern Azaleas. Pretty cool nickname. Uh, they won the Asian Cup all three times that it was held in the first decade of the 2000s. They've also won this event's title three different times, most recently 2014. Uh, they didn't get to participate in some stuff for a while because in 2015, in the World Cup, they got caught in a massive doping scandal. They caught one or two girls on a random check, and then they uh, tested the whole team and found a whole mess of them were doping up. Whoopsie. So uh, they haven't played in a FIFA-sponsored event since 2019. This event, they got to play one of the three team groups, and then Cambodia withdrew before it started. So basically, they just had to play number 10 seed to Singapore twice, and they beat them 10-0 and 7-0. Not much competition there, but they faced a little bit better during the uh, knockout stage. They advanced to the final over number nine, Uzbekistan, 0-7. And in the quarterfinal, they beat number three, South Korea, very impressively, uh, one to four. I would normally, I would say South Korea is probably the second best team in, at the very least, Eastern Asia. Well, yeah, anywhere in Asia, come to think of it. Number one event scorer by a mile plays for this side. She's got a dozen goals, and that is Kim Kyung Yong, just 21 years old, plays forward for them. And she plays for a domestic team called Nekohyang Sports Club. I couldn't find out much about this league at all. And as you know, North Korea is a very secretive country, uh, and it's fairly true even with their women's soccer, it seems. Team's current form, uh, they haven't played any matches outside this event in 2023, as we discussed earlier. So on the year, they are 4-0 with a 29-versus-1 goal differential. This should be a whale of a matchup. Match number three. Flip the calendar page to Saturday, and it's time for our featured match from Major League Soccer, where there are only two matches left in the regular season. A reminder that the two conference winners, East and West, will get to go to the CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly Champions League, as well as the next two best regular season uh, teams overall in the aggregate table. As far as the domestic playoffs, which are used to determine the overall champion, and the champion will also get to go, by the way, to the CONCACAF Champions Cup, nine from each of the two conferences will get to go to the playoffs. And we're going to play down near that playoff line again, just like we did for the NWSL. Taking a look at number nine in the West, Dallas, versus number eight, San Jose Earthquakes. If the playoffs were to start today, these two would basically have a little two-team playoff round to see who is going to make uh, the more official-looking bracket of eight. Very close. San Jose lead Dallas by just one point in the table. Dallas, meanwhile, lead a couple of teams, number 10, Austin FC, and number 11, Sporting Kansas City, by three points in the table. But that's all you're going to get from us this particular time around because we have a chance to welcome back a very special guest who's been with us, oh, at least three times before, sort of our official Austin FC correspondent. And yes, I realize Austin is not one of the two teams in this match, but as you heard, they are clearly affected by this as they're trying to squeak into the playoffs. So here to give us his thoughts and description of whatever oddball adventure he's having, it's always something, is the only non-agenarian from the Percussion 
supporters group for Austin FC. He's made the trip up to Dallas, apparently, to watch this one. Brazos Bob, he plays for Naked Bongos. For those who aren't old enough to know, Matthew McConaughey, who is the movie star who is one of the uh, part owners of this team, was caught many moons ago on tape, bongoing naked, and it was funny and a little bit controversial at the time and made it all over uh, the internet. In fact, he was recently talking about an interview with some major publication once again. And, well, they've got a supporters group in homage to that particular episode of Matt's Life, and Brazos Bob is the biggest personality from that. So take it away, please, Mr. Beauregard. Well, hello, Texas State Fair noob, good Southern Baptist though I may be, I've scaled Big Tex, the 55-foot idol figure here at the State Fair entrance here at Dallas. Now holding my 85-pound leather bag of bones up here was easy, but woo-wee, I hope I can keep my balance. That animatronic jaw and waving hand don't make balance any easy. Now, Austin may be a point behind San Jose, but the easiest path for Austin to make the playoffs is plain to see. It starts with me cheering FC Dallas to a win over San Jose tonight. <laughs> yeah. Then Austin beats San Jose in their regular season finale next weekend. Oh, my stars, would you looky that? Here come the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. I'll give them a beat to dance to that they won't be able to resist. Yeah, kick your top off. Hey, hey, hey what's that? Y'all want me to get naked? Well, I hear you, Texas. Naked bongos forever! Now here's entertainment, fair goers. Yeah! Oh my, maybe they were yelling that at the cheerleaders, huh? Well, uh, go Dallas! Ooh, looks like they're sending a cherry picker up to get me down from here. Well, you'll never catch Brazos Bob. Now, if I can, if I can just figure out how to skedaddle down from Big Tex. Oh my! Match number four. We're going to stay on Saturday on the calendar, but head to the far side of the world once again. This time, Australia is the destination where they are having their FA Cup final. For newer fans, that stands for Football Association, and the FA Cup tournaments are knockout tournaments. They are different from the league. Usually they are played as the same time as the league seasons. Australia is an exception to that. However, the winners of the tournament will get a berth into the 2024-25 Champions League 2. Previously, the top two tournaments in Asia have been called the Champions League and then the, uh, the Asia Cup, but they are changing that to Champions League Elite and Champions League 2. Well, it's the same thing either way. 
they led a lot of teams from down all the way into the amateur ranks and through the professional and semi-professional ranks in Australia, participated in the qualifying stages of this tournament. All told, 778 teams got to play in this tournament officially, and they have reached their final. Sydney FC from the top flight A-League, who will be playing this at home, versus Brisbane Roar, also from the A-League. A-League men specifically, because they call the two leagues down there A-League men and A-League women, and I want to get that right. It is ranked just number 23, or right in the middle of the AFC, that particular league, give you a little bit of overall perspective. The series between these two in recent years has been pretty even. I thought... I thought Sydney FC would be more dominant, but Brisbane used to be much better than they've typically been in league in recent years. They lead the series 15, 11, and 14 for a record. Pretty close. Sydney FC, we will talk about them first, as is our tradition for the home teams. I love their crest. There's a representation of the famous Opera House on there, and just nothing else will do when it comes to Sydney. They are ranked number 67 in all of the AFC. And yes, they play the Asian Football Confederation. Uh, that enables them to get a little bit better competition than they were getting in the Oceania Football Confederation. The club is a moderately young one, just about 20 years old, founded in 2004. They have won this event just one time. That was 2017. They have done better in league play. They've won five different titles, most recently 2020. The last league season, 2022-23, they finished league play in just fifth place. So they do not already have a playoff uh, or rather an Asian tournament spot secure. They're really going to want this one. Key player to look for, tied for second best in event scoring with four, is their homegrown Patrick Wood. He plays striker, is just 21 years old. He actually started his senior career with a team name that I really like. It's in the Northern Sydney Beach area and called Manly United. I'm not sure if that's because the Manly to play their sports on the beach and had a Baywatch kind of feel or if it was manly like it was a last name. Either way, I'm enjoying it. Team's current form, uh, they've got a 10-4 and goal differential going since entering this event in the round of 32. And now Brisbane Roar, a much older club founded in 1957. Uh, they're also known as the Lions. Boo, what do we think about Lions as a mascot person, Noob? Yes, you are filled with ire and rage, aren't you? Yes. Consternation, bile and vitriol. Oh, I thought we didn't say poo-poo. No. That was a whole number B thing. No, we don't say number. Oh, I got you. We don't say number you know what, but we can't say poo-poo. Very good. The Brisbane poo-poo. That's their new mascot because we don't like lions. Every third club in the darn world is named lions. Uh, Something that's really cool that I didn't know about them previously is that this is a club that was founded by Dutch immigrants. So they have orange very prominently featured both in their crest and in their uniforms. Uh, They've kind of the crest, by the way, kind of has a quasi heraldic lion wrapped in a ribbon with the club name. And even though I'm not a huge Lions fan, as we just discussed, it's actually a very cool crest. They've won this event one time, but it was all the way back in 1981. Uh, the A-League, they've won that title three different times, though, most recently, just uh, nearly a decade ago, 2014. Last year, they finished in just eighth place in league play, so they weren't even close to getting an AFC berth. Both teams are really going to want this, not just for the trophy, but for the chance to play internationally. They advanced to the final over a team that we covered a couple weeks ago uh, from the second division in Australia, one of the big state leagues in Victoria, Melbourne Knights, and beat them nil one. 
Key player to look for on the event scoring leaderboard with three is Thomas Waddingham, 18-year-old Australian striker. Yeah, a couple of youngsters playing for these two teams. I wonder if some of these A-League teams don't use the FA Cup as a chance to play guys who normally don't get to play as much in the league season. Although they're not really having a load balance since they're load managed, I should say, since they're not actually in league season. Might have to do some more research. Team's current form, they've got a 13-4 goal differential since entering this event at the round of 32. Hard not to call Sydney FC the favorite here since the being played at their place and all. Match number five. For our final Saturday match, we're actually only going to briefly talk about an event that is just getting started, and that is the Women's Champions League in South America, or CONMEBOL. They are going to be having a group stage for all their teams. Again, it is just getting started, so we're not going to get in particular matches yet because we don't know which ones are going to be high stakes. Instead, this is the perfect time for Personoob to take over with her special segment. Aminals, aminals, aminals from around the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what animal from South America are we going to look at this particular week? The Pink River Dolphin. Also known as the? Pink Amazon River Dolphin. That's right. And what status do we think it might have? Uh, a near-threatened uh, labeled data deficient. Yeah, the data deficient was from my research, and sometimes it's just hard to uh, track their mating patterns. But the fact that they're even trying means that this is not an animal that's doing well, at least in all the areas that is found. And it's found in a huge part of South America, or huge parts. Where can we find it? We can find it in, uh, we can find it all over the Amazon. Or in a co-river basins. Mm -hmm. What are a couple other words for it since there's Spanish and Portuguese languages spoken down there? Uh, 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 it can be also referred to as boto and buefo. Very good. All right, and what kind of animal is a river dolphin? It's a toothed whale. That's a little scarier sounding than a dolphin, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe we should go as these for Halloween. You can. <laughs> you don't want to go as a pink river dolphin? Uh, I'm already being someone. Oh, what are you going to be? I'm being a, a character. Oh, you're not going to be an endangered animal? I know why you're not going to be an endangered animal. Because you're afraid I would eat you. <laughs> no, no, no. I will not let you eat me. I will stand as protest. What character are you going to be? Uh, a character named Obero. Oh, this is from, uh, what, My Hero Academia or yeah. something else from anime? Yeah. Gotcha. Obro. That sounds Obero. Gotcha. All right, well, let's get back to this particular... Uh, in, instead of the uh, pink Obero for anime, let's talk about the pink river dolphin, mm. although that's pretty cool. I didn't know you decided. So uh, tell me some more about the animal. It is the largest river dolphin species at over 400 pounds. Wow, I'm not sure I could pick one of those up. I'm not sure you, we, you and I could do it together. Mm. Now, it's, it, it's, it's pink. Tell me what you know about it being pink. Um, It's actually not... Uh, pink till it's adult. Uh, and it's more, and it's more so in males. That's kind of ironic on two things. Pink you traditionally think of, at least here in the modern era, as being a, a color that leans a little bit more female when it comes to, say, uh, fashion, uh, uh, decor. But it's males, and I would think babies. You know, babies usually come out real rosy or pink, don't they? Yeah. But not the case here. It's only the adult males that get the most pink. Very interesting. What is a super key and interesting way in which they differ from ocean dolphins? The cervical vertebrae uh, are not fused. Uh, well, so that sounds fancy. Yeah. 
What does that mean functionally? Uh, it, uh, it means that it can turn its head. Unlike a regular ocean dolphin. Oh, yeah, the ocean dolphins, if they want to see something you know, to the side, they just turn their whole bodies. But the river dolphin, maybe it's because it's in smaller areas that it evolved that way? Maybe. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. It's weird to think about a dolphin like turning its head from side to side, shaking its head at you like it's answering your question. What sort of things does it like to eat? Um, uh, it eats a variety of water animals, like crabs, turtles, frogs, and piranhas. Piranhas? Piranhas. Oh, man, I would think piranhas would be painful to eat because it, well, I guess it mashes them with the teeth. It's got that really long snout with the different shaped teeth, some for crushing and some for tearing. But just swallowing them whole like a real full-size whale, then you'd have piranhas swimming around in your gut. Ew. Yeah, that's, a, that's something even I won't eat as a piranha. Yeah, but something that I read is it reads it eats a wider variety of stuff than virtually any other uh, animal creature, or, or at least river dolphin. And uh, tell me about like you know how they are socially. Um, they travel in pairs most of the time. Uh, but they do pot up to eight. Yep, and that as I read from my research is specific to this particular subspecies of river dolphin. In fact, that's very different from ro- most river dolphins, which. Uh, might have an average of three, and yet you can find them in pods of up to close to 40. But very rarely, these are particularly aggressive dolphins. They're particularly aggressive with their own gender. In fact, talk to me a little bit about uh, the genders and uh, how they uh, how they like how the males like to court the females, like try to date them and make them their wives, their water dolphin bot. Yeah, wives. That's the word. <laughs> um, male. Males will uh, often court by carrying around tree branches, ha- branches, hard clay balls, and other stuff. That's interesting. Now, you're getting to just an age where you're probably not interested in boys being 11, but you know that that time, unfortunately for me, is not way around the corner. If a boy, let's say a boy wanted to dance with you at a school dance, and uh, would you be more likely to dance with him if he was just like carrying around random stuff that he found? Unless and like showed you, hey, look, I'm carrying this random folder or this end table. Unless he offered something cool to me, uh, probably not. <laughs> Judging by the face that you made, even if he offered you something cool, I think you would still be reluctant. No, which is good because you're not allowed to date till you're 35. Uh, all you right. Started dating well, that's a different story for a different time. Hey. Um, now, something else that's interesting is that these animals end up really, really scarred, the uh, boy dolphins do. Why is that? Because they fight over the females. They fight a lot. These are incredibly aggressive animals. And even the females are pretty aggressive, too. In fact, they're not sure, but they think that uh, they don't think that these are monogamous animals having just one mate, like a lot of animal species might, but that uh, they're either promiscuous, which means that the males will just date whoever they can, or it might be that the females actually just like to have specifically um, two husbands. Yeah, they could live out in like, you know, north, northeast Arizona or southern Utah or something. Anyway, all right, let's talk a little bit about their uh, hunting and how they get around. Okay, um, they use echolocation to hunt uh, because of dark waters. Uh, uh, but all the stuff's in the rivers, 
well versus the open up versus an open ocean means means they have to click less frequently to avoid confusion from too many echoes yeah i read they actually have very good eyes but the river waters are often so uh you know just generally dirty with mud and other stuff that's in there i'm not talking about pollution necessarily that they use echolocation but river is too crowded so you imagine what and then they listen for the echo, but it might be bouncing off all kinds of stuff. And that's not helpful for them. All right, what are the, some of the things that are threatening these animals? Um, uh, some threats that, uh, that they're getting tangled in fishing lines. Um, people are hunting, uh, and they're losing some of their habitat. Yeah, the tangled in fishing lines is an even worse one than some people might think because they have such a, uh, they eat such a wide variety of things. They tend to be attracted to areas that have a, a huge just volume of food, which pretty much automatically means there's a variety of food. Well, guess who likes to fish in those kind of waters? People. People? Yeah, and so they have a lot of nets out, and that's how they got caught. I will also tell you an interesting myth, if I may, or one of a couple that I read. Um, in Amazon culture, it is often thought amongst the river peoples, it is said that the male will, uh, male dolphin will at night like turn into a, a really, really handsome dude and uh, seduce. Do you know what that means? Mm -mm. It means he will make the way he will uh, he will make the ladies swoon. He will he will be cool and make them want to be together and and make babies. Yeah. Gross, right? That's disgusting. And so yeah, and so it goes in. So it uh, and then it goes into the so the dolphin uh, makes babies, gets a girl pregnant, and then goes back into the and then goes back into the water. But you know the real reason or how that myth probably evolved? The Amazon is vastly huge, and a lot of these river people tribes are very, very small. So they've got a pretty good idea that this myth probably came into being because in some of these incredibly small areas, it might just be, you know, like a family or three families or something like that, and there's nobody else to have babies with. And so a lot of the times... Um, people would have babies with somebody in their own family. Ew, right? Yeah. And so because that was frowned upon when other people might find out from other areas, they invented this myth ages and ages ago that, oh no, it was the river dolphin. Very believable, right? Totally. <laughs> Wait, if a human and a dolphin had a child, what would it look like? Would it, would it, would it be like a dolphin-human hybrid? I don't know, but I think you should draw one, and then we could give it away to somebody on the internet after they vote in one of our bonus match polls. Yeah. Yeah. What a great idea to end with. That's much happier than incest. And that was Animals from, from Around, around the, the World. Don't eat some, Dad. And here I thought the advent of the autumn temperatures might have curtailed the kitties' needs. It has not. They demand a recap of last week's matches, and so they shall have it. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from St. Kitts and Nevis. It was the third and final match in their best of three to determine the league championship. 
and that was Rams Village Superstars versus AL Horford St. Paul's United. And it was Village Superstars that came out on top and took penalty kicks. They played to a nil-nil draw in regular time, and they went to eight to seven from the spot. RVS wins the final series two to one. Congratulations to the champions. Saturday match number B from the NWSL number one Portland versus number B San Diego. San Diego got an impressive road win nil to Alex Morgan. Even had a goal. She'd kind of been uh, up and down a little bit this year, in my opinion. They switched positions in the table. Both are still on pace to get a bye in the playoffs, though. Match number three from the Premier League in England. Number four, the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur versus number B, Liverpool. Tottenham. Tottenham defended their home pitch 2-1. They switched positions in the table, each moving around number three. Match number four from the African Champions League second qualifying round. Leg two of the home and away, two-legged tie. Orlando Pirates versus uh, Juanang Galaxy of South Africa and Botswana, respectively. And it was the South Africans getting a 1-0 win, but... That only tied up the home and away two-legged tie. It's the Galaxy that go on four to five on penalty kicks. What a major upset, sending the South African Pirates out. Match number five from the secondary tournament in Africa, the Confederation Cup, same tournament spot, second qualifying round, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. You had Callan out of Sierra Leone versus Dreams FC from Ghana. The result was 1-1 draw, and that means based on how leg one went that it is Dreams who advanced. 3-2 on aggregate. Match number 6 from Kosovo's Super League. Number B, Balkani versus number 1, Lapi. And it was Balkani getting a 2-1 win. No change in the table there. Sunday, match number 7, the Lithuanian FA Cup Final. Division 2 side making the final. Trans and Best Vilnius taking on top flight side, Shialgliai. Uh, and it was Trans and Best getting the 2-1 win. Now, they will almost certainly be in the top flight next year. They're dominating the second division. But at this moment, we get to say there will be a second division team in European international play. And that's a lot of fun. Wednesday, match number eight from the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup. Number three, Defense Force from Trinidad and Tobago versus number B, Mocha from the Dominican Republic. It was Mocha getting the nil two win. Match number nine from the Central American Cup. Quarterfinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Uh, I thought it was Saprisa and Real Esteli. I don't know what I was seeing. Got some misinformation. Turned out they weren't playing at all. They're not even in the same group. Ha. Uh, Thursday match number 10 from the Copa Libertadores. Semi-final, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Brazilians, Paul Myris versus Argentinian Giants. Boca Juniors, behemoths in this one. They played to a 1-1 draw. It's Boca Juniors that will advance to the final of the South American version of the Champions League, though. They went ahead 3-5 on penalty kicks. And now, your bonus matches with explanations coming later in the show when we visit them again. Uh, Monday's Ride of the Week match was from the Erov Newley of Georgia. Number 10, Shapiro Kobuleti versus number 1, Dinamo Batumi. And it was, in fact, a route. Dinamo Batumi got the road win in big fashion. Nil 6 Your most meaningless match of the road was a Saturday match from... Guam, number four, Quality versus number three, Islanders, out of essentially what is a five-team league, and Islanders got the 1-5 win. There's a big gap between these two. No change at the table, though, there, nevertheless, and your most disappointed, uh, your match of disappointed, rather, a Saturday match back stateside, USL League One, the third division here in the States, number 11, second to last place, Chattanooga Red Wolves, took on last place, West Coasters, Central Valley Fuego, and it was the Red Wolves getting a 3-1 win. That moved them up to number
number 10. Uh, guy that we said was having a really poor year. Hey, he must have heard and been inspired. At least that's how we're going to see it. For the Red Wolves, Maeli Mabongo had a goal. His first in the ages for Central Valley Fuego, their most disappointing player. Uh, Zahir Vasquez that we talked about last week, he had fewer touches than any other outfield player on the pitch for the 90 minutes. So he lived exactly up to his horrible billing. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Onward into Sunday, and this is a match that veteran fans, you know, listen in, but probably won't cover too much you don't know here. This one's for the newer fans. Match number six is from the Premier League. Yes, England. Four teams get to go to the Champions League group stage or event proper. One team will go, the fifth place finisher, to the Europa League. Uh, England will also send a team to the Europa Conference League, the tertiary tournament, just as all the countries around Europe do. But they've made a special exception for them, has UEFA, and they get to send their League Cup winner, which is a uh, another knockout tournament like an FA Cup, but a secondary one. That team gets to earn a uh, ECL berth. So your key matchup here very early in the season, it's number three Arsenal versus number one Manchester City. Manchester City have been dominant historically in more recent seasons. They've accrued a 21-7-8 record against the Gunners of North London. That is Arsenal's nickname. They are owned by the American Cranky family. Yes, the Walmart owners. Uh, They entered this season ranked number 23 in all of Europe, I read. They have won 13 league titles, but the last one wasn't since 2003-2004. They won the tournament that is now the Europa League back in 1993-94. That is the secondary international club tournament. Here in the modern era, their best finish, uh, Champions League. They finished runners-up 2005-2006. And uh, the Europa League, they finished runners-up in 2018-2019. They are ready to be a bride rather than a bridesmaid. Will this be the year? Hard to say, but Manchester City have been really dominant the last couple, three seasons. Last year, they nearly took it all, but they ended up in second place. This year, the offense is good. It's a very high-scoring league this year, the Premier League. They're getting almost two goals per match, but that only puts them roughly in the top third of the league. However, their defense is tied for the best. They are only giving up three-quarters of a goal on average per match. Goal differential, they're tied for third. Whether they win... Uh, you know, the overall regular season or not remains obviously to be seen. We've got months and months to go, but I think this is a team that will definitely finish in the top four. There's really only one. Arsenal is a very team oriented team, which I realize may not make much sense, but you've got so many superstars and so many of these truly premier Premier League clubs. Not necessarily the case with Arsenal. They play on a touch more of a budget. Their biggest star is probably their 22-year-old right winger, uh, Bukayo Saka. He's been their MVP with three goals, two assists. He's a very accurate shooter. He's a good passer for his position, and he tracks back decently on defense. He's a good tackler. Team's current form, well, they're undefeated so far on the league season, although they did just lose 2-1 to one in the Champions League group stage to French side Lentz. And now, Manchester City, your three-time defending league champions. They've won nine overall Division I titles in their history. Manchester United was the big team for a long, long time. This is a more recently risen power, last 10, maybe 15 years. In fact, they just won their first Champions League last year. 
Their offense is pretty good, just a shade better than Arsenal's, but they are the team that is tied for number one on defense as well. They've got the number one overall goal differential. These are still your favorites to win the league, although on the road anything can happen in this particular match. Number one league scorer is theirs to boast of with eight goals. That is their 23-year-old Norwegian center forward, the Meat Shield. Erling Haaland. Uh, the MVP for them, some would argue, maybe has been Rodri, though, their Spanish defensive midfielder, although he won't be playing this particular match because of a red card suspension. Got a straight red uh, a couple matches ago, and he uh, had to face down a two-game red card suspension. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three, slipping just a little bit across all competitions. Match number seven. One last weekend match to go, and we're headed to Venezuela. The Primera División is the bottom-ranked league in all the Common Bowl, but we don't care about that. We love them. We love all top-flight footy, and if there's a high-stakes match down there, it is on our radar, and oh, look, we found one. Let me set the landscape before we get into it. Unlike a lot of Latin and South American countries, they do not divide their league season into two separate equally linked stages, Apertura y Clausura, kind of like two little mini seasons. They play one long double round robin that they call the first stage. I would call it the regular season, uh, you know, functionally. And the, the top four teams will all advance and have their own little playoff to determine the overall champion. All four of those teams will qualify to some stage of the South American Champions League called the Copa Libertadores next year. Match we're going to look at is the very last match of the first stage or regular season. And once again, two teams right on the playoff line. Number five, Carabobo. That's fun to say, isn't it, person new? Carabobo. Carabobo. Does that sound like a monkey to you or something else maybe? Monkey. Would you like a monkey for a pet? Yeah. Would we have to get rid of our cats? No. Caraboba doesn't mean monkey, though. Yeah, it does. No, from an indigenous language, it means like savanna of the waters. So it's not a monkey at all. But it should be a monkey. It should be a monkey. Maybe they could name the river after a monkey and then everything would come full circle. All right, number five, Carabobo versus number four, Caracas. Uh, So Caracas currently are the team that would just sneak in to that final stage. Carabobo looking to overtake them. Right now, Caracas only lead them by three on goal differential. All they need is a draw to move on. Series between these two. Caracas have had just a slight advantage over the last three or four seasons. They've got an eight, seven, and six record. Uh, When they played earlier this season in Caracas, Caracas only managed a nil-nil draw. Carabobo, they play out of the city of Valencia, which is the second biggest major metro area within the country. About four and a half million. It's only 100 miles east of Caracas capital, and it is most definitely the industrial hub of the country. They've got a couple of nicknames, both related to their color. I like the second one. They're known as the Red Wine. They have only ever won one league title before. That was all the way back in 1971. Really rarefied air for them to be in here. 2017, they made their only modern era Copa Libertadores appearance, and they actually did advance one round to the second qualifying round, but no further. Last year, they did pretty well in the regular season. They finished in third place. 
This year, the offense average, the defense, that's where their bread gets buttered. They only give up three quarters of a goal on average. That is good for third best in that regard. They have the number four overall goal differential in the league. Getting to play this at home, if I had to bet money on the match, I would bet on them getting the win over Caracas. Thankfully, uh, people generally aren't forced to gamble because I wouldn't want to. This is going to be a really good matchup. Team scoring leader, by the way, to look for out of this game. He's got five on the year, and that is Carlos Sosa. And now Caracas. I think this is in the southern part of Caracas where they play near a mountain. That's the part of the major capital metro that Caracas Football Club is from. The mountain is called Cerro El Avila. Neither here nor there, but I think it's pretty cool that they're right in the foothills, essentially. They have won 12 league titles, the most recent one, 2019. This is definitely one of your historical and recent powers. Now, I will say that that was their first title in a decade, so they have not been bulletproof in the most recent of years. 2009 Champions League, they advanced all the way to the quarterfinal. That was the best they've done in their 22 historical appearances in that tournament. Last year, they had a rough year, finishing in just 11th place, but they're returning now uh, to more what they feel you know, is their uh, birthright. I would say uh, they're pretty well balanced. They're a little bit better on offense, not a really high scoring league. They get a little bit over a goal and a half per match. That is third best. They have the number three overall goal differential. Key player for them, second best in league scoring with 12, has been the only foreigner in their starting squad, a 22-year-old Nigerian attacker named Ade Oguns. And I read that he is considered to be uh, the best non-native in the entire league, in fact. Team's current form, this team is unbeaten in nine straight matches, but don't be fooled. Five of those have been draws, and three of them have been scoreless draws. So they haven't been dominating anybody of late. Match number eight. That was a lot of tracking for the weekend new bites. If I may affectionately refer to you as such, you get a couple of days off. We pick it back up on Wednesday. Match number eight. Slide back over to the women's side of things in UEFA. Their Champions League is going on. The second of their two qualifying rounds. First leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Newer fans, two-legged tie. What does that mean? The two teams that are facing off each pair of them, they will play two games. One at each team's home pitch. You add up the scores and see who comes out on top. The match we're going to look at looked the most interesting to us was Slavia Prague out of the Czech Republic, or Czechia, as I'm starting to see and hear it uh, more regularly these days, versus Romanian side U Olympia Cluj. The reason we're picking this particular one is because uh, Cluj, they play out of... Uh, The Romanian top flight is the lowest ranked team that still has a team alive in this. So I thought here in the first leg, that would be fun. Get to know them just in case they get their butts kicked in there. (laughs) And the second leg isn't a high stakes match. Slavia Prague. I'm a little surprised they're having to host the first leg. Normally they, you would think the, the better team on paper would get to host the second match, a little bit of an advantage there. Nevertheless, Slavia Prague, they're entering the event at this round. They did not have to play in the first qualifying round. They are the 13th ranked club in all of Europe. The Czech First League, by the way, is ranked just inside the top 10, number nine in all of Europe. And this team is the two-time defending champion of the Czech First League. Last year, they were in this event as well, and they got as far as the group stage. 
But there, they struggled. They only scored one goal in their six matches, didn't get any wins. 2019-20, they made the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and that's tied for the best they've ever done. I think they've managed that three total times. We've got a USA connection with this team, by the way. I don't know how much she plays or much at all about her, but I know she's there, and that is Molly McLaughlin, and she plays midfield position. The 2023-24 uh, Czech First League is only six matches in, but I think we can already tell what sort of team we're dealing with. They are still a behemoth out of this region. They're the only undefeated, undefeated team remaining in Czechia. They have scored 32 goals and conceded just one. Wow. All right. And now Olympia Cluj. They are the number 24 ranked club out of the teams remaining left in the event. They actually don't, they're probably uh, within the top 40 overall in Europe. They had to play in the first qualifying round and they beat a team out of Slovakia, Spartak Majava. And uh, the first round was actually little brackets of three or four teams. So they beat the Slovakian team. And then in the first qualifying round final, they had to play an Israeli team that was Kuryat Gat. They held them to a nil-nil draw in regular time and then had to beat them in penalty kicks. That went 4-3. Now, this may be the lowest ranked team left basically in the event, but they were the favorites there in the first qualifying round. They are not hapless, sort of a middling team in my opinion. The club is a fairly young one, founded in 2010. They have won their domestic league title in Romania every year since they came into existence. 2012-13, I know they made the round of 16 in the Champions League, so they've had some success in the group stage and beyond. I'm unsure if they've been able to replicate that. I couldn't easily find anything since the year 2015-16 for them regarding international play, which is kind of weird. 2023-24 season, it is very early. They're only three, four matches in. I can tell you that currently, though, they are in second place, three points behind number one SSU, Pali Timoshwara, and that UOC have a match in hand and the better goal differential. So while they may not be quite as dominant in the first few games as Slavia Prague has been in their league, they are still most likely to be the major force to be reckoned with there. Match number nine. And now Thursday, the last day of our soccer week, two matches to go for this one. Match number nine is from the European Championships. Well, the qualification tournament for the European Championships. Uh, all the countries that are playing, they've been divided into 10 groups of five or six. They're each playing a double round robin, and the top two from each group will advance on to the European actual championships. They're a little bit over halfway through the group stage. The most interesting looking matchup to us looked like Albania versus, once again, the Czech Republic or Czechia. Taking a quick look at the table, Albania have 10 points. Uh, Czech Republic have eight. They have a match in hand. They've played one fewer match than Albania, though, and have a little bit better goal differential, I believe. And then tied with them on points, Moldova and even Poland not out of it at six. Faroe Islands are the only ones in this group who are, are very much not expected to be in the running and you know, they're a tiny country. That's understandable. But since this is the qualifications and we're going to have more chances to check these out, this is a great time for us to take a break, but mostly because this is the time of show where Noob's Tumbly starts to get a little rumbly. Are you hungry, person, Noob? Yeah. Let's do a recipe from Albania. Which is in the Mediterranean region. Who knows what we're going to... Well, I know what we're going to find because I've already done the research. All right, P-Noob, 
The stuff that we're going to learn about is called Tave Kosi. Does that sound like any other food you've ever heard of before? You know what it means? It means sour milk casserole. You always end up when you make this uh, with a, a melted, cheesy, buttery kind of roe and egg topping that you put on top and when you cook it, it gets really, really crispy. This dish has been around for like at least, oh, 575 years from what I was reading. And it used to get used with sour goat's milk or sour uh, ewe's milk, you know, like a female sheep. So does that sound appetizing? No. No. Well, don't worry. They use something like yogurt now or regular milk. So it's a little, it's a little more appetizing. But uh, talking about the history of this, uh, the dish is really old. It was first recorded at least in 1452 when the Ottoman ruler Sultan Mehmed II was occupying a city called Elsaban, which I believe is in central Albania. So you might also hear this called uh, Elsabani Kosi, but the most traditional name, as I understand it, is Tave Kosi. While he was there, he was served a dish that consisted of lamb marinated in yogurt and sour milk. Um, the cooks would take the leftover uh the leftover saucy stuff, the yogurt and cheese and various things, and they would use it to top other casseroles. And that is what he, he loved it and was absolutely obsessed over it from what I understand. So we won't get into a big long ingredient list. We'll jump straight to the directions because if you're interested enough in making this, you can Google up the recipe. But I want to give you some idea of what is involved. I forgot to uh, convert it for the American audience, but you're going to preheat your oven to about 170 degrees Celsius. Uh, you're going to eat, heat up your butter and oil in a pan, and then you're first going to brown your diced lamb. That's very important for the texture, is you want the lamb meat diced. And yes, there are kinds with other uh, meats, like chicken is probably the second most popular. Once you've got your lamb browned, you're going to add crushed garlic clove, oregano, and water. Then you're going to simmer it all together for about 30 minutes until the lamb is tender. Next, you add your rice use some seasonings to taste, and then a separate small pan, you'll have withheld some of your butter, you're gonna melt the rest of that. Add in the appropriate amount of flour and whisk that to create a roux, R-O-U-X, buttery mix. Once combined, uh, remove it from the heat and add the yogurt into this. Continue to whisk it. Then add a beaten egg and whisk it even more. This is probably the most time-consuming uh, manual part of actually cooking it is making roe. That is a real art, but you can do it. Noobs believe in you. Uh, then you're gonna pour the sauce all over the lamb, distributing it evenly, bake in the oven. It only takes about 20 minutes uh, for a standard recipe that would serve like four people. Do it until it's brown and a little bit crispy on top. Grate a little bit nutmeg over that and serve it. Now, I will add in one side note. If you want to be really authentic, get a hold of an AGA, A-G-A. Uh, the author I was looking at, that all their recipes are tested and cooked in this AGA, a special kind of device, and are adapted. And then the recipes you're going to find are usually adapted for a more traditional, modern oven. Now, as I mentioned before, if you are a little bit squeamish about lamb for whatever reason, you're misguided and think they are cute animals, only the cartoon ones are, believe me. If you met a regular sheep, yeah, you'd be fine. You'd be fine with 
you know, shaving it and eating it. It'd be okay. But if you want to stick with something more familiar, chicken is nearly as original and authentic as lamb would be for this recipe. And by the way, if this sounds like masakas, you're, you're not far off. Um, some of the preparation ingredients, some of the spices you'll find in most recipes differ quite a bit. But for a lot of intents and purposes, this is very much like Greek masakas, except that you're not uh, using a bechamel sauce. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, finally, daughter dearest, but have we truly reached the end of our podcast road with match number 10? No. What do we still have left? Stuff. Bonus matches. Sweet. But first, before we can get to those... We've got some learning and fun with match number 10. We come back to our home region of not quite the United States. We're back in CONCACAF land. It is our Nations League, which is not the Gold Cup. So even though these are national teams, this is not the official championships for us. But the Nations League is a great chance for all the teams, particularly smaller ones, to get some international action, especially the Caribbean nations that don't always get a whole lot. Now, the CONCACAF Nations League, in a way, is really three separate leagues, and that's not unusual. It's very similar to Europe's. Here in CONCACAF land, we have three separate leagues within the overall tournament. They are divided more or less by ability, and then combine that with some past event results. So, for example, the middle league, League B, 16 teams, four groups of four. In each of the groups, are playing a double round robin. The winners of each of the groups will get to climb up to League A. So two years from now, they will be playing amongst the very best teams, like, say, the United States and Mexico. The fourth place finishers will drop down to League C. Your League B matchup that looked really key to me, number one in their group, St. Lucia. Yeah, little tiny island versus another one that's really just a French territory. Uh, Second best is Guadeloupe. St. Lucia currently lead them by one on goal differential. The other two teams of the group haven't earned any points yet. That will, you know, that will change, of course, when they play each other. But right now, these two absolutely dominant. Let's learn a little bit about each. St. Lucia, no real surprise here. They've never qualified for a World Cup. They've also never even done well enough to qualify for a CONCACAF Gold Cup. That is the actual official championship tournament that happens once every four years here in our region of the world, North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Three different times they qualified for the old Caribbean Cup. That was the Caribbean uh, subset of countries championship. And in 1991, they finished in third place. That is the best that they have ever done internationally. Interesting side note, I don't know if they still do, but I know that starting in 2012 and for a time, this national team had a specific relationship with a League One English, that's third tier English club, not a national team called Carlisle United. And so by helping them with a little bit of uh, coaching and other resources and things, Carlisle United always officially or unofficially got first pick to try out any of the players from the entire nation of St. Lucia. Kind of interesting. I wonder if it's still in place. The information I led, uh, read didn't lead me one way or the other on that. In the last Nations League, which was actually the 2022-23 version, I said they played every other year. Things have been a little bit weird here at first. So the last time they went 4-0-0 in their League C group and with an 8-2 goal differential. So they were really dominant and got promoted up here to League B. It would really be something if they got promoted up to League A. That's a smaller country than I thought. I think 
anybody in CONCACAF ever thought would get to play in the top 16 in Group A. This national team is ranked number 24 in all of CONCACAF, so they were drawn from the third pot. Basically what that means is they are seeded number three in this group. It is amazing that they're doing this well. How well? Well, they're 2-0-0 and with a 7-1 goal differential, so dominant once again. A couple of key players for them to know. Their all-time team leader in caps is still active with the team. Kurt Frederick, their left back, uh, but he's actually a little bit more of a wing back. He gets up for some offense. He uh, leads the active squad in scoring. He has scored 11 internationally in all competitions in the past. Currently, he plays with a uh, domestic club right there on St. Lucia called Platinum. Tied for second best in event scoring with three put in the back of the net is Dominic Polian. He plays striker for them. He is currently with an English club called uh, Ebbs Fleet United, which plays in the fifth tier over in England. That means they are uh, might be professional, might be semi-professional. That is the lowest league that is still national in scope over in England. He actually started his senior career with Leeds United, but I'm not sure he ever made any actual starts for them. Team's current form, while here in calendar year 2023, they are 4-0-2 between this event, a Gold Cup qualifier match, and a couple of friendlies. It's worth noting, though, their defense is not stellar. They haven't kept a single clean sheet, win or lose. And now Guadalupe. They are known as the Guada Boys, Guada being another name for the country. Uh, after four iterations of uh, the Gold Cup off, they qualified for the last two and got to the group stage for both. They finished in fourth place back in 2007. That's the best they've ever done. As far as this event, Nations League, in the 2022-23 version, uh, they were in League B then, and they went. They did all right. They went 3-0-3. 2010, they finished in second place in the old Caribbean Cup, and that is the best international finish they have ever had. Worth noting, this is a, a team that is ranked just inside the top 20 within CONCACAF, so they're a slight favorite if this were being played in a neutral site, but it's being played in St. Lucia, so it's going to be really, really even, I think. Uh, they've only performed, well, they basically performed the same as St. Lucia. They scored one less goal, they've given up the same number, and they haven't lost a match. Key players to look for on the scoring leaderboard with a pair is Luther uh, Archimede. He is a forward who, American Connection, plays for Sacramento Republic, one of the better teams in the USL Championship, the second division here in the United States for the men. He was with uh, New York Red Bulls, but largely played for their reserve squad. Also having a pair of goals for this team is uh, Ang Freddy Plumain, who plays winger for uh, both this team and for his club team over in Ukraine. Not a real strong one, to be honest, but I believe a top light one this year. Luke Leave is the name of it, L-V-I-V. Uh, he came up with Lentz over in France. Second time we've uh, heard Lentz mention this show. Strongest club that he ever played with was Fulham. I'm not sure if he was a regular starter for them over in England, though, or not. Team's current form, 5-1-3 on the calendar year, and they have won two straight matches. Bring forth... The bonus matches! And this particular week, I do not have to thank you for helping choose the bonus matches by having voted on Twitter because I did not put up polls this week. I was a little bit behind, wasn't I, person new? Uh -huh. So how did we solve the issue? With me! 
That's right. You got to pick the bonus matches. Nevertheless, if you would like to converse with us about soccer or anything else on Twitter, our account is Soccer Noob USA on, oh, X, excuse me, Elon Musk. All right, our first match is a first versus last place matchup that my daughter dramatically calls the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And what's the one that you chose, sweetheart? What country is it from and what league? I chose El Salvador. That's right. The top flight there is called the Primera División, and they are in their Apertura stage. Woo. Yeah, woo, indeed. Sunday match. Uh, this is the eighth-ranked league in all of CONCACAF, so it's kind of in the uh, middle when it comes to Central America. Each of the, stu- the two stage winners, Apertura y Clausura, will get to go to the playoffs, and then the next best overall team at the end of the year that didn't win either of the stages. On the other end of things, equally relevant for a route of the week, which, by the way, Person Noob, I, you know, I never asked you about this. We called it the route of the week, but I almost called it like world's biggest blowout or the roadkill match of the week. Which of those names do you think that we should have gone with? Neither. None of them? What would you have called it? The route of the week. Oh, you like the route of the week. Uh, that's probably because you did the pre recorded sounder when you were like eight and it was. The route. <laughs> Route, route, route. <laughs> of, 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 of the week, 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 week. Wow, you get the echo, you get the homemade of echo effect twice, people. All right, so as I said, the uh, two stage winners plus the next best overall team at the end of the year will get to go to the Central American Cup. That is a feeder tournament to the CONCACAF Champions League. On the other end of things, the last place team in the aggregate table will be relegated. The top eight teams, by the way, will also make the domestic playoffs or about halfway through the stage. Your matchup is number 12, last place. Oh, so sad. They make the sa- Do they make the sad panda sad? Is that something that that the kids still say? Maybe. Well, you're a kid, don't you know? Nope. All right. It's uh, last place, Santa Tecla versus number one, Aguila, the Eagles. Aguila lead number B, Once Deportivo, by three points in the table. They're in pretty decent shape. On the other end of things, Santa Tecla, they trail Platense Municipal by just one goal scored. Yeah, a couple of tiebreakers deep. So there's still plenty of stage for Santa Tecla to right the ship. I don't think even at home that they're going to have much of a chance, but we shall find out. If you look at this matchup historically, well, Santa Tecla would disagree because uh, in the 38 games, they've accrued a 12-8-12 record against Aguila. I'm just not sure how strong they've been in recent years. When they played earlier this year, uh, Aguila won 1-0. Santa Tecla, they've got one of the cooler ones around. We don't like lions, but what do we like? Person noob? Parakeets. We. Oui. Yeah, if I had a soccer team, would you name it the Parakeets? Oh, yeah. Or would it be the Carabobo Spider Monkeys Both. from earlier? Both? The spider monkey parakeets, that'd be a heck of a crossbreed. I don't think spider monkeys and parakeets would get along well enough to create a hybrid. Probably not. No, but it's not that kind of show. That'd be really weird. 
All right. The club was founded in 2007. Uh, the city of Santa Tecla is just a few miles outside of the capital. It's part of the major metro area. It has maybe 125,000 there. It is at the southern foot of San Salvador Volcano. If, so if you've got any knowledge of the greater capital area, that's where you'll find this club's home. They were first promoted to the top flight in 2012. They've already won four league titles. Most recent one was the 2018 Apertura stage. Last year, they finished ninth place overall in the aggregate table. Not so good. Although <laughs> ninth place sounds pretty good to them now. They've got the second worst offense, the very worst defense, giving up almost one and three quarters goals per match in a league where goal scoring is kind of already at a premium. And they've got the overall worst goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard, nevertheless, they do have a guy with four goals, so almost top 10. That is Victor Landazuri. And then another one, Enrique Contreras also has four. So basically those two guys are responsible for seemingly all of their offense. Teams current four in their 0-2 and one in their last three, although with a respectable four against five goal differential. And when it comes to the route of the week, we are always looking for reasons to think that maybe that last place team can pull the upset. So what do we know so far? It's being played at their place. Historically, at least, they have been every bit as good as Aguila and their goal differential doesn't completely stink out loud. All right, now it's time to talk up Aguila, the Eagle. Uh, they play in the eastern part of the country, uh, the city of the same name, in fact. It's the third biggest one in the country, has uh, well over a quarter million people in the city proper, might have as many as a half a million in the greater metro area. Uh, a lot of agriculture in the area, textile and chemicals. But the biggest things, and this isn't uncommon for Central America, but it's really big in this particular area. Over a third of the economy of this metro area comes from remittances. That's money that's sent in from outside of the country. Uh, people who have immigrated to the United States and other places. Now, what makes that unusual here is that only 18% of the national GDP comes from remittances. So a lot of people from this area have been sending back a lot more money, and that's created a lot of opportunity. Uh, it's encouraged uh, foreign uh, developers and investors to come in. They've been able to do a lot in this area as far as infrastructure. It's a very nice city because of all that remittance money. All right. The club, very old one, founded in 1920. Last year, they finished number one overall. They've won at least 17 Division I titles. I kind of couldn't find anything real easy. Uh, I saw last year's and I, there was a gap for a few years and then uh, more, you know, better record keeping, at least on the site that I was on. They've only ever won the CONCACAF Champions uh, League title once. That was in 1976, back when the landscape was a lot different than it is now. This year, they're the only team in the league scoring over two goals per match. They've got a defense that's nearly as good. Number one goal differential in the league by almost a factor of two. Number one league scorer with 11 on the season is their Colombian national, Carlos Salazar. Team's current four. Ooh, another reason to wonder if maybe they could slip, especially on the road. 0-3-1 in their last four. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Person new, what other podcast in the world, if any, has the heart to shine a spotlight on two teams so average that probably nobody in their own country is even paying much attention to them? Anyone? 
No. No, probably not. Should they? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we the only ones doing it? Oh, that's right. We are cool. I had forgotten. Thank you for the reminder. All right. She has chosen a Saturday match for us for the most meaningless match in the world. It is from the first league of Slovenia, which is ranked number 31 in all of UEFA, just a little bit below average. Uh, only their champion will get to go to the Champions League. They'll send two other teams to the Europa Conference League. One of the 10 teams at the end of the year will be automatically relegated. The ninth place finisher will have to fight for their top flight lives in what's called a relegation playoff match had to be played against the second place team from the second division. They're a little bit less than a third of the way through the quadruple round Robin season. Nevertheless, your meaningless teams, number five, Maribor versus number six, Murrah. And this is their first meeting of the season. Uh, Maribor currently lead Murrah by just one point uh, to give you an idea of why it's so meaningless. Uh, they're smack dab in the middle of the table. Uh, Maribor trailed number three, Copper, by two points. And that re- that's not much, but that represents the very last team that would get an international berth. That gap is likely to widen as the season goes on, if we extrapolate out. Murrah, meanwhile, they lead number nine, uh, Radomoye, by five points in the table. Series between these two, Maribor is usually pretty good, and they've been dominant. They've accrued a 16-96 record versus Mira. We'll talk about them first. They are named after a city in the country that is the second biggest one in the country. That's about 100,000 people. It's the biggest one in the far northeast part of the country in a region of Europe called Lower Styria or Styria. Uh, it was a big, heavy industrial area before it split with what was Yugoslavia back in 1991, like a lot of automotive industry stuff, for example. They have won 16 league titles. Uh, they won most of the titles, in fact, all the way in the decade of the 2010s. So they've kind of fallen on very comparatively hard times this particular year. They advanced to the Europa. Europa Conference League, third qualifying round this year. So good on them for getting through a couple of rounds. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. This year, they're pretty well balanced. I think they're more likely to go up than go down. But so far, I'm not seeing any really real evidence that they would do anything with maybe flirt with getting that very last Europa Conference League berth. They've got the fourth best offense, third best defense. They're only giving up a little bit over one goal per match. Key player to look for, tied for third best in league scoring with four already, is Marco Bozic. He is from Austria, plays midfielder for them. He was here on loan last year. This year he came over, I believe, on a free transfer. He was with Italian Division II side officially, Frosinone. Team's current form, oof. They started off really, really well and have been on a dive of late 1-0-7 across all competitions in their last eight. They haven't scored multiple goals in a match since late August either. Looking to keep them on the side, coming to town is Murrah from the town of Murska Sobota, which is also in the uh, nearly as far northeast. They're not quite in Lower Styria, though. Uh, it's a smaller town, about 11,000 people, but it's only 35 miles from Maribor. Club is a fairly young one, founded in 2012, although it replaced a club that existed for much longer, but they had to dissolve uh, due to financial reasons. They've already won one league title in their brief history. That was 2020-21, but the glory, oh, it did not last, it would seem, based on where they are now. Uh, they made it to the group stage of the Europa League the year before that. Pretty good international finish for a team from a country this size. Last year, they finished in fifth place, so there was no soup for them. They didn't go to any international competition. 
Based on their stats, it would look like they're more likely to slide further down the table than climb up with anything. They've got just the number eight offense, number seven defense. They're giving up almost one and three quarters goals per match. They've got an Austrian to look out for, though, on the offensive side, tied for third best in league scoring is Darden Schabenhaxhaj, S-H-A-B-A-N-H-A-X-H-A-J. You do better. (laughs) Again, Austrian and young, just 22 years old. Team's current form, their nil-two home loss to number one, Selye, snapped a two-match road winning streak. And uh, sometimes I do something for each team. This time, I'm just going to give you a most meaningless fact for the company. Slovenia has more casinos per capita than any other European nation. And now match number 13, the final match of our podcast. That number 13 is so appropriate because this is the match of... Disappointed! Whether these teams are unlucky or just flat out stink, well, you can be the judge if you dare to watch them. We've selected a Sunday match from the Superliga of Denmark, which is rated number 14 in UEFA. No thanks to these two stink bombs. They will get to send uh, one team to the Champions League, but they will get to start in the second qualifying round. And then they send three teams to the Europa Conference League. None of these turds will get a sniff of any of that. On the other hand, two of the 12 teams will get relegated. That is more the speed of these two losers. They're uh, maybe a third of the way through the season in Denmark. Your matchup is number 11, uh, Velje versus number 12 in last place, Vido. Or Vido. I want to get my emphasis on the right syllable, even though they don't really deserve that much attention. It's an interesting spelling. HV. I-D-O-V-R-E, but it's Vido, as I understand it. Velia lead Vido by two points in the table and trail number 10, Odense, that is the uh, first, uh, the lowest point of safety for them, by three points. Uh, Velia have been dominant in the series between these two. They've never lost to them, at least in the last 13 matches. Velia, that's also the name of the city out of which they play. And is in the southeast part of the country, has uh, well over 60,000 people there. Back in the Industrial Revolution, it was known as the Manchester of Denmark for its textile production. Uh, its more uh, modern or common nickname is the Ruby of Jutland, or Jutland, which is the, the main, you know, uh, spiky peninsula. Of that, you know, makes up the country. They've won five league titles, but <laughs> it's been a minute. 1984 was the last time. They played in a lot of European competitions, though, back in the 1970s and 80s. Not only did they used to not stink, they actually kind of used to be good. Oh, but the Halcyon days have passed them back, lost, you know, long since. Once they even made the Champions League round of 16. Now I don't think that they would even be, like, allowed in the same town where a Champions League match is being played. They're so bad. Last year, they did have a decent year, but that was because they were in the second division. They won it and got promoted. This year, um, they're not winning. Their defense, or offense, excuse me, awful. They're getting less than one goal per match. Their defense, I mean, it's fairly awful as well. It's flirting with average, giving up one and a half goals per match. Uh, They've got the number 10 goal differential. This is a team that I think might be able to save themselves. If I had to bet one way or the other, I would bet they would, but I surely wouldn't want to. Rather than look at any good players, we're going to look for your MDP, most disappointing player. Am I allowed to add multiple affixes like that person, Noob, and say disappointing? 
She's agreeing with me in silence. It's late at night and she fell asleep, actually. She's got her kitty friend with her. All right, well, I can't whisper my way through the whole thing. The MDP is Yasin Asahaun. He is from Finland, plays attacker. He's only got one goal, though, not much of an attack going there. No assists. He's a poor passer and doesn't give you anything defensively. Don't even understand what he's doing there. He was actually let go last year by a Dutch second division club called MM. Teams current form, they are 1-2-0 and in their last three across all competitions. And it's worth noting that that win isn't exactly something they get to write home about and be proud. Uh, their parents are still going to make them sleep outside if they come home for a visit. It was a match they should have won. It was over a Division Six amateur team in the country's FA Cup. And now Vido, they were the other club that was promoted from the second division last year, but we accept no excuses just because you're new to the top flight. Or once again, due to the top flight, we still expect better. You're awful. Anyway, Vido, that is the suburb of Copenhagen that's just a few miles to the southwest of about 50,000, where Lars von Trier, the famous, uh, very strange film productor, has a company, a production company doing uh, peculiar post-industrial stuff. That was the quote that I read. So nothing that we will probably see in theaters anytime soon, more than likely. Uh, The club there called the Old Giants. Uh, They are the new shrimps, apparently, though. They're not very good. They've won three league titles in the past, but the last one was 1981. Currently, they're the only winless club in the league. Worth noting, this is their first time up since 1997. This despite the fact that I think that they might have won the second division in Denmark in 2016-17 or 17-18. Not sure why they wouldn't have come back up. This year so far, they've got the worst offense going by a mile. Maybe in the world amongst top flight teams, they've only got four goals in 11 matches. Their defense is nearly bad. Second to worst, they're giving up almost two goals per match. Their most disappointed in player, he's not the worst rated one, at least according to the uh, FootMob app that I use. But of the guys that are clearly starters, it would have to be Jonas Gemmer, your central defensive midfielder. Um, He is definitely defensive because he hasn't done anything for goals or assists on the season. Although it's worth noting, other than a bunch of interceptions, he hasn't brought anything to the table. Mediocre passing and no other defensive stats of note whatsoever. Also worth noting that he was with a club called Horsens in this league last year, as he was for the last four seasons, and that team just got relegated. For some reason, this team that just got moved up decided they would take a flyer on him. Oh, how do you spell regret? You spell it G-E-M-M-E-R, apparently. Team's current form, 1-0-2 in their last three. And that win, well, it was against a Division 5 club called Vibe IF in the FA Cup. Not, not, a, not a team with any paid players or of any particular note. And so, as poorly as they were do- are doing, we will not wish them good luck or good fortune, but rather we will shoo and heckle them away in our traditional harsh fashion. It was bad. It was awful. Hey, boo! And that's a wrap on episode 156 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his production and editing wizardry. To Brazos Bob, our Austin FC correspondent. 
Appreciate it, Dad. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and thank you to my daughter for everything that she brings to the show. Personally, love so much that she still like to do the show with us. And of course, thank you to you for finding us, checking us out. And we hope that if you enjoyed it, that you will consider passing us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Thank you.